The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC. Play fake, and batted down from behind, it's loose! Iowa on the move, Tyler Sash! Gonna take it back! Trick or treat, Iowa City! Wow. That's about it. Wow. Look at the disbelief. It's been that kind of season for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Tyler Sash, six interceptions on the season, Mark. It came loose, and Sash with a mad dash to the end zone. That's a pinball. A pinball interception and touchdown for the Hawkeyes. <laughs> Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from HawkeyesMike.com. The Iowa-Indiana game highlights are courtesy of ESPN with Mark Jones and Bob Davey. A very nice job calling the game with a lot of interesting byplay between the two of them. It was great to have them calling a Big Ten game again. We very much appreciate it and thank them. These football programs come to you following every game during the entire season. This week, you'll have the chance to hear Marv Cook's thoughts. You'll hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Kirk Ferentz and Pat Fitzgerald. We'll take a look at the Big Ten Conference, and we'll also preview the Iowa-Northwestern game. Pat Hardy has this week off. And during the course of the season, we'll also hope to hear from you, the Iowa fans. We invite you to share your comments each week by calling 866-74-HAWKS. Stanzi trying to keep his team in undefeated mode, and another interception! He's thrown his fifth of the day. And now the boos begin to rain down on Ricky Stanzi. That's four interceptions in this quarter, Mark. And I feel, I feel for Ricky Stanzi again throwing into the wind. I'm not using that as an excuse. He just hung that football up under, threw it. If you're going to make a mistake, obviously throw it long. Four of his last eight throws, Mark, have been interceptions. I mean, the quarterback's in the tank right now. Magical, mystical, improbable, historic. Well, now you have to add surreal, unbelievable, and flat-out weird. Any of those words will work in this most special football season. Iowa fans and the media are beginning to run out of descriptions for these Hawkeyes, who came from behind once again to beat the Indiana Hoosiers 42-24. Last Saturday, the Hawks came out looking lethargic on defense, disorganized on offense, and inept on special teams. They just didn't look ready ready to play for the first time this year. And the wind was blowing stronger out of the Northwest than ever before on game day. That wind played havoc with both passing games and with the kickers, especially when the teams were going south to north. Indiana broke into an early lead and still led by two scores after three quarters. But once again, you can never count out this Iowa team. The defense stiffened and the offense finally exploded in the fourth quarter, gaining 273 yards and scoring 28 points in that period alone and ending up with their highest point total of the year. Ricky Stanzi threw five picks, four in the third quarter alone, but recovered to have a career day, including back-to-back -back touchdown passes of 92 and 66 yards to Marvin McNutt and Darrell Johnson Koulianos to start the fourth quarter. Stanzi's pass efficiency went from .29 in the third period to an unbelievable 815.59 in the fourth. Those two spectacular plays were preceded 
by an unprecedented pinball interception by Tyler Sash in the third period, which he returned for an 86-yard touchdown and shifted momentum to Iowa at a crucial point in this game. It was also Iowa's first pick six of the year and the fifth longest interception return in school history. The Hawks moved to a 9-0 start for the first time in Iowa history, extended their second longest winning streak in the nation to 13 games, remain alone in first place in the Big Ten, stayed at the number four spot in the BCS rankings, and remained in the top ten in all three national polls. The Hawks now face another explosive offense and a physical defense as Northwestern comes into Kinnick Stadium this coming Saturday. The Hawks also continue to control their own destiny with three games to go in the regular season. Another one of the oddities from last Saturday's game, after trailing until early in the fourth quarter, Iowa actually ended up covering the 17 and a half point spread. Maybe the best explanation for this game is the day. It was, after all, Halloween, and Iowa ended up with the best treat of all. Great story. Compelling and rich. On first and ten, Stanzi trying to recapture his rhythm and his confidence. Marvin McNutt with the catch, and Marvin making a house call. Wow! Touchdown! Iowa with six turnovers. It's a 24-21 game, Mark. 92-yard touchdown pass from a quarterback that has five interceptions, threw four of them in the third quarter, but now it's the fourth quarter. He's okay. <laughs> HawkeyesMike.com. It's sports talk radio on the Internet. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. A quick review of game notes and key stats is brought to you by Prefens Botanicals Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary new hand sanitizer that kills bacteria, viruses, and fungi for up to 24 hours with just a single application. To learn more, go to www.prefensbotanicals.com. Prefens is now the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa football team, the men's and women's basketball teams, and the defending NCAA champion Iowa Hawkeyes wrestling team. As we've mentioned, the Hawkeyes now start the season at 9-0, and it's the first time that's ever happened. And the 13-game winning streak is a first under head coach Kirk Ferentz. Indiana's 14-point advantage marked Iowa's biggest deficit of the season, and now Iowa has trailed in eight of the nine games so far this year. Iowa has outscored its opponents 148-54 to in the second half, including 107-41 to in the fourth period. And the 42 points scored against Indiana is Iowa's season high. Their previous high was 35 at Iowa State. True freshman Brandon Wager started for the first time in his career. He responded with a career-high three touchdown runs. He rushed 25 times for 118 yards, and he had one reception for eight yards. He has six touchdowns during the season. Quarterback Ricky Stanzi finished the game 13 of 26 for 337 yards and two touchdowns. He was 10 for 23 for 160 yards with five interceptions and zero touchdowns through three quarters, but was a perfect 
three for three for 177 yards and two scores in the final period. Iowa posted back-to-back long touchdowns in the fourth quarter to claim the lead. Stanzi's 92-yarder to Marvin McNutt and a 66-yarder to DJK. Iowa wideout Marvin McNutt had the 92-yard reception for the touchdown. That's his second scoring reception in two weeks. He ended the game with four receptions for 155 yards. The 92-yard play is the fourth longest pass play in school history. Iowa won the toss, and with the strong wind, it deferred. Indiana elected to receive, and thus it marked the first time this season that Iowa has started a game on defense. While Iowa did not score on its first possession of the game, Indiana had a rushing touchdown on its opening possession, and that became only the second score allowed in an opening drive by an opponent this season. The Hawks have now recorded at least one takeaway in 41 of their last 43 games dating back to 2006. And wideout Darrell Johnson Koulianos surpassed 1,600 career receiving yards. His career totals are now 107 catches for 1,611 yards. He's tied for 15th in career receptions and ranks 13th in receiving yards. Key stats out of Saturday's game. First downs, the Hawks had 21 to the Hoosiers 13. Net yards rushing, 79 for Indiana, 143 for the Hawks. Net yards passing, 227 for the Hoosiers, 337 for Iowa. Total offense, 480 for for the Hawkeyes to 306 for Indiana. Possession time was virtually even. In third down conversions, the Hawks were 7 of 13, while Indiana was 5 of 18. Other notes from this past week, defensive coordinator Norm Parker had to coach from the press box after spending the previous week in the hospital dealing with the after effects of his diabetes and toe amputation from late in the summer. He's expected to be in the press box again for the Northwestern game and perhaps for the remainder of this season. Safety Tyler Sash has been named one of 12 semifinalists for the Jim Thorpe Award, which is given annually to honor the nation's best college defensive back. The sophomore from Oskaloosa has 64 tackles in nine games this season. He's intercepted six passes, has 203 return yards, has forced two fumbles, and has five and a half tackles for loss. He has 11 career interceptions, and his 350 career interception return yards are an Iowa record. Former Iowa head coach Forrest Evashevsky passed away last Friday at the age of 91. Heavy was a legendary coach, and he led Iowa to its only two Rose Bowl victories in history. He fielded some of the strongest Hawkeye teams ever. One final note on the apparent lack of respect this Iowa team is getting among some in the national media, the Sports Information Department issued a release pointing out some of the following key facts. Iowa's schedule is rated as the seventh toughest in the nation this year. Only one Big Ten team has defeated Penn State, Michigan State, and Wisconsin on the road in the same season. The two conference schools the Hawks do not play this year have the worst overall records in the league, Purdue and Illinois, and when comparing Iowa to Oregon, Cincinnati, TCU, and Boise State, the Hawks lead in each of the following categories. Number of opponents defeated that currently have winning records, total one-loss records, and winning percentage of defeated opponents, total one-loss records of opponents defeated in their home stadiums, number of defeated opponents ranked in the current BCS Top 25, and one-loss records of remaining teams left on the schedule. So there. Reborn, Ricky Stanzi, wide open. Johnson, Pulianos, do you believe it? 66 yards for the score. Halloween just got a whole lot better for the fans in Iowa City. These last two plays, that had nothing to do with pounding the rock. I mean, you talk about two home runs from a quarterback that had four interceptions in the third quarter. 
Iowa with its first lead of the ball game, and what a turnaround in the fourth quarter. Time now to hear from the opposing head coaches in this coming Saturday's Iowa-Northwestern game. First, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz talks about this year's Northwestern team. You know, they're a very good offensive football team, uh, leading the conference in a lot of different categories. Uh, throw the ball extremely well and uh, very, very efficient, and uh, you know, they've done a great, great job there. I think really the, the biggest uh, thing I would recognize about them a year ago uh, was their defensive improvement. I thought that was a big part of them uh, being a 9-1 ball club last year and, and taking Missouri right to the wire in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, you know, and, and I think uh, you know, we see them continue to play good defense right now. Uh, they're a little bit like us. They've had their share of injuries, and uh, I think probably fair to say more more impacted on the defensive side of the football than offensive. But uh, you know, it's taken away from a little bit defensively. But and then their their kicker uh, Demos, uh, kicker and punter, is an experienced guy who does a good job too. So you know, they've got a very good football team, and uh, they've been involved in a lot of close victories. Had a great win over Indiana two weeks ago, right before we uh, played Indiana, and yeah, it's. Uh, it's going to be quite a challenge for our team, so our, our sights are looking forward right now on Saturday's game. Parents was asked once again about quarterback Ricky Stanzi. The first thing you would, uh, I think you'd identify when you talk about him is just his resiliency, and it goes back to a year ago, uh, this ball game a year ago, unfortunately. But uh, he does have a, a rare ability when he uh, struggles to come right back and just keep pushing forward, much like a relief pitcher or you know corner that type of thing. You know, you've got if you're in a high risk position, you've got to have that capability, and, and certainly he demonstrated that again Saturday. And yeah, I think I'd, I'd just uh, throw in there he got a lot of great support, I think, from his teammates. You know, everybody on the bench was supportive of him, and you know. Everybody on the team believes in Rick Stanzi. So, uh, but again, as I said Saturday, it's a lot easier to encourage someone than it is to be that guy who has to deal with the with the complications. And he's he's really done a nice job with that. Ferentz was asked about his team's incredible fourth quarter play this season. Uh, it's not like any any switch gets hit or anything happens magically, but it's just you know, our, our guys realize games go the full full sixty minutes, and, and sometimes they go longer than that. And you know, one thing we I don't think we do, or at least we haven't done so far, is panic. You know, we're not dwelling on what happens during the game. We're not good or bad. I don't think we, we fixate on those things, and you know, try to just keep looking forward and getting better with whatever's in front of us. You know, with our, our opportunity, and yeah, you know, that's uh, you know, we've done a lot of things not so well this year, but that is something we've done well. We've we've kept looking forward and. And, you know, stuck together and just, uh, you know, hopefully uh, found a way to, to play our best in that fourth quarter because that's a lot of times that's where you win and lose. It's kind of like the running game, you know. It's uh, a lot of times that's where you get your most productions in that, that second half and particularly in the fourth quarter. Kirk talks about the difficulty in getting a punt returner given Colin Sandeman's injury. It's, it's tough because, uh, I mean, you know, facts are we're down to number three. You know, we, we had two guys that really were doing a great job. Colin's been doing very well. Paul Cheney was really doing well. And Andy Brodell graduates a little bit like our running back situation. So, um, you know, we're not a team that has five guys. Uh, in inventory, they would just go to the next one. So it's it's a little tough, and it's it's a little bit like uh, a lot of things. Uh, you're not quite sure how guys will will react until you get them in game situations. It's a little easier to do it in practice, and you know what have you. But we'll we'll, we'll be fine. We'll get through that. It's, it's not going to keep us from, from being successful. Ferentz talks about the play of freshman running back Brandon Wager. I think Brandon's pretty comfortable and has been. I really do. I think he's been good there. And uh, the flow of a game, and I, again, I think in the running game, I heard Tom Osborne say probably 20-some years ago, yeah, he just always talked about the running game's typically more successful in the second half. So you have, to, you have to be patient, and I think that's offense in general. You have to have 
have patience and a lot of people don't. You know, if you stick with what, what you think is good and make some adjustments, you have a chance for some good things to happen. I think that did happen Saturday for us. It was, you know, a big factor at the in that last uh, 15 minutes. You know, if he's tired, he'll come out otherwise. But, we're, you know, we're down to three games now, so I think uh, that's our attitude as a football team. Um, you know, we're trying to be careful with what we're doing during the week, but uh, when Saturdays come, we have to do whatever we can to try to win, so we're not going to run them into a wall, that's for sure. We have to be careful there, too. Kirk was asked if there are any negatives associated with being undefeated this year. I can't think of any right now. Uh, i trying to think of that one. No. Yeah, Norm, Norm had a pretty good point. You know, like, you know, how many times in your life have you been? I don't know. And I really haven't stopped to think about it other than when he, you know, he asks those stupid questions. But, uh, but he, you know, I thought about it, and, you know, I don't know. And, you know, maybe in baseball. Those are probably, like, the only good teams I was ever associated with were good baseball teams. But, uh, yeah, so it's – but I can't think of any negatives. And But it's not like we sit around thinking about it. You know, we just know – and it's easy for us because, you know, all you have to do is look back to the last Saturday, whatever week we're talking about, and you know it's just going to be tough. You know, it's going to be tough again this week. So, yeah, if we're, if we're lucky, we'll all put our feet up uh, over Thanksgiving and say, you know, boy, this is a good year. This is a good year, but we're not there yet. And Ference talks about the rankings in the polls in the BCS and the lack of respect Iowa is receiving by some in the media. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. Uh, like I say we'll take inventory uh, after the season's over, where we're at and what we did. And, and that's, you know, again, you're not going to hear anybody in our camp, I hope, crying about it because, you know, I don't, I don't study this stuff. But the one thing I have noticed just casually uh, listening and paying attention over the years, the, usually the first team to complain is the first team to get beat. So, you know, if that's prominent in your thoughts, then, you know, you're really open. You're just thinking about the wrong things. So, again, we're, we're really – I think I, I speak for our team. You know, you have to ask them. I'm sure you will. But I, I don't think anybody's too worried about it right now. I think we all realize we have three really tough games waiting for us. And, again, we're, we're, we're hardly the – which I guess is fueled fire to the discussions, but we're hardly the kind of team that's just going to go out there and wow anybody. I mean, that's just not our deal. And, you know, we just need to keep thinking about what we have to do to find a way to win. Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald was asked what makes Iowa so special. Well, they're extremely opportunistic. You know, they, they uh, their defense has just been taking the ball away at a very high rate, and especially with the interceptions, has been nothing but impressive getting the ball back to their offense. And you know, obviously they're ranked in the top 20 in most major categories on defense and on offense. They're efficient. They they do what they do. They're in the zone a number of different ways out of a number of different formations. The same blocking scheme up front. They've got great play action passes off of it. They're going to take. You know, probably eight to ten shots deep, similar to like we saw last week. Um, you know, and uh, they're very sound and very fast in a kicking game. So they're just a solid football team year in and year out. It's been the hallmark of Kirk's team, and uh, they've just battled. I mean, they've been incredible in the second half. Uh, you know, what they've been able to do and outscore their opponents in the fourth quarter shows their ability to persevere and keep battling when things aren't going perfect. And uh, it's been nothing but impressive to watch. It's going to be a great challenge for us in Kinnick. Fitzgerald was asked for his thoughts about Iowa, given the Wildcats' recent success against the Hawks. Well, you know, I, I think since '95, the series has really changed. You know, obviously there were some, there was a, a couple of decades of really tough games that we had against them, and you know, since '95, I believe we're seven and five against the Hawks. And uh, you know, I think we've been fortunate in the last couple out there in Iowa City, but most of them have been really good football games and tremendous battles. Two teams, I think, really respect each other and play hard and. Uh, you know, we've got the utmost respect for the job that Kirk and his staff doing for the players. So we know it's going to be a great challenge, and I know our guys are excited for it. Fitzgerald was asked if it's easier to prepare his team to travel to a stadium where Northwestern has had recent success. Hey, I don't know about that. I, I think each year is a little bit different. You know, I think from a standpoint of 
tough environments to play Kinnick Rinks up there is, if not the toughest, one of the toughest in this league and in the country. So I think we've just been very fortunate. We've had a couple balls bounce our way, and we've, we've made a few plays in uh, you know, the last couple of trips out there. But I don't think there's anything secretive or magical about it. I think we've just been fortunate and made some plays. And, you know, it looks similar to what Iowa's been able to do. They've made plays when it's mattered and, and, uh, and big plays at that. Interceptions, fumbles caused, big-time touchdowns and in the past game and playing really well in the kicking game. So, you know, I, I think they're just a solid team. And, Adam, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's going to come down to team executes better this Saturday and stays in the moment. Fitzgerald talks about Iowa as a rivalry game for the Wildcats. You know, I, I think when I, when I look back in, in the rearview mirror as a student athlete, you know, we, we felt uh, pretty strongly that it was obviously a pretty tough couple decades that we had against them. And, uh, you know, at some point that that shoe was going to finally drop and we'd get, we'd get one win and not a kind of put it where this this uh, this game has really become, I think, a pretty heated game between two teams that, like I said earlier, really respect each other. Uh, you know, I think it's turned a corner. I think it shows where our program's at. I really do. I think we've uh, won a completely different place than we were when I arrived here in 1993. And, uh, you know, I think the credit goes to Coach Barnett and Coach Walk, and hopefully we can continue to keep that moving in a positive direction. But I think they've just been great games, and uh, it's going to be a huge challenge for us to play a team with a lot of positive momentum. And they're finding ways to win, you know, and that's it's sometimes tough to overcome. Fitzgerald talks about Northwestern's injuries this season and his efforts to keep a healthy team on the field. It's one of those uh, seasons when, uh, you know, you obviously have some issues from the injury standpoint, but philosophically around here we believe in just controlling what you have uh, in front of you, and that's being prepared. And, you know, I think everybody's battling the same same issues. I mean, Iowa's 9-0, and they've got they're on their fourth tail back, and they've got a bunch of injuries across the board. So, you know, it's just a battle of attrition. We're, we're playing... Uh, you know, a lot of games without a bye week, and we're also obviously uh, limited in our scholarships. So, you know, when you, when you get to that point, uh, you know, I, I think there's some things maybe we need to think about and discuss a little bit. Is it five years of eligibility? You know, is it more scholarships? I doubt that'll ever happen. But I think that for, for there to be uh, an ability to be able to play some players and not have to hurt them, you know, when we get to this point in the season, now guys are starting to get banged up, and you have a, a tendency not to want to play kids because they haven't played all year, and you only have three games left, but you want to win football games. So I think it puts coaches in a in a, in a tough spot. You know, I really do. I think it's a pretty difficult situation. So I think there's some things that we need to discuss at the NCAA and at the, at the Big Ten level to see if there's a way that we can propose some ways. You know, we're not going to be able to pick up free agents at the can in the NFL. So, you know, it's, it's part of the game. I think we're all dealing with it in the same way. And I'm really proud of that our guys that have stepped up. They've done a great job. And we put ourselves in position to have a significant month in November. And Coach Fitzgerald talks about Northwestern's solid play in fourth quarters this year. Yeah, you know, I, I think it has a lot to do with kind of where we're at. You know, we're right around the 500 team right now. And we've been consistent in some areas and then inconsistent in others. And I, I would put our play in the fourth quarter there. You know, I mean, we've... We put ourselves in position, and uh, we just haven't made plays. I, you know, I, we're, we've been in great shape. We just haven't made the plays down the stretch that you need to make to win football games and in, in, in our losses. And in the games that we've won, we have. So, you know, it's it's one of those, buddy, that I think it's uh, one that we're going to work hard to continue to improve. We've got uh, a huge challenge and opportunity in front of us, and then two more after that. And hopefully by the end of the year, we've put it in a consistent fashion where we've uh, we finished in the fourth quarter and give ourselves a chance to win. And all of a sudden, Iowa knocking on the door. Another big play, and it's first and goal. Wager 
Touchdown, Hawkeyes! Are you back on the bandwagon now? With both feet. You are jumping off that bandwagon, Mark, before that kickoff. And all of a sudden, this whole stadium is back on the bandwagon with you. Hawkeye Nation's come to life. Excellent block by the center, Eubanks, and also Cal Callaway, the right tackle. Call in and express your opinions about the Hawks. To make your voice heard on HawkeyesMike.com, call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS and join our guest experts on weekly podcasts. We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly stint on HawkeyesMike.com. With Pat Hardy off this week, we have a little longer segment with Marv. Sean Patchett visits with him. All right, last week we used magical, mystical, and historic. Uh, this week you need to add unbelievable and weird. Yeah, hauntingly, yeah, frightening was uh, some of the ones I think ESPN used it as. It was unique, uh, phenomenal. I mean, if you look back, at it's 21-7 and they got the ball and I think we just threw an interception and they got a chance to go up 28-7. I'm telling you, that would have completely changed the complexion of the game. It would have forced Iowa to throw the ball. I'm not sure we could have recovered from that. So I know the score looks like we could have, but I think uh, the mindset would have been different than when Sash runs it back in. Now it's 21-14. It's a completely different game at that point. Have you ever seen a game like that, either in college or the pros? Never. Never. I mean, I've seen some great comebacks, but it never just completely bizarre plays you know I mean just completely game-changing moments there's you know when you you know those game-changing moment highlights there's probably six or seven in that just the course of that game missed field goal after a turnover you know obviously the sash run and and then the you know the DJ cake and Marvin McNutt catches are just phenomenal I mean um, you know once one point I saw where they the statistic was that Stanzi had three of his last four passes were intercepted and then I think the next statistic could have been three of his next four were touchdowns. I mean, it was just a phenomenal turnaround. What's going on when a team can look that bad through most of the three quarters and then completely turn it around? You know, it's it is Big Ten football, and they had some talented players. You know, and, you know they did some they did some good things to us, and they execute. And you know, for us, it's it's our mo. We play close games. We we are in that mode still. We're you know we're not putting teams away, and, and, and until we learn how to do that, it's going to be a, you know some of these games are going to be difficult. Have you ever seen an interception like Sash's pinball pick? Seen bizarre things, yeah. I mean, bizarre things like that. I mean, obviously the timing of it was just amazing. I mean, it was, uh, you know, to be able to come up with it at that time. I'm not sure if that was the sequence where they actually thought there was a touchdown by Indiana or not. The guy caught it on his back out of bounds, and, and I'm not sure if that was the same sequence or if that was the sequence he missed the field goal. But, I mean, just a phenomenal uh, turn of events. It was unbelievable. The Hawks continue to be able to dominate teams in the second half, and especially the fourth quarter. What do you attribute that to? Uh, one of them is conditioning. Um, you know, one is is they just figure out what a defense is doing to them, and they and they they're executing better and cleaner in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, and they just stick to the game plan. It's for the most part, and they were actually able to run the ball more effectively as, as it got to that. And you know, I think the mindset is is when you do have a lead, you do have to tighten things down a little bit and, and be cleaner, and, and that's what they're able to do. Talk about Rick Stancy's play. He had a career day, both best and worst. Yeah, yeah, highs and lows. You know, the, the mentality it takes. You can't get caught up in the roller coaster. You just can't get caught up in the emotion of the game. I mean, you want to play, feed off the emotion, but you cannot let it be what drives you, what, what motivates you. And you just have to execute, and you have to take it one snap at a time. And at the end of the game, you add them all up. And, 
And that's the beauty of that is I think the good quarterbacks, you know, you can never see, you know, if they're rattled. You can never see if they're frustrated. I mean, they may show it for a brief moment, but, you know, for the most part, it's got to get back to business, got to get back to work. And, and I think that's what he's able to do. And, you know, and the throws he did make were perfect down the stretch. So. If you were coaching in that game, what kind of offensive calls would you prefer to make to avoid the wind issues and maybe try and take advantage of it? You know, we were play-actioning a lot early uh, that I thought we weren't running the ball effectively enough at that point. And a couple times I thought our, our guys were open early, but because we were doing such hard play-action, we weren't able to get the ball quick enough to them and then the ball would hang. Um, but, you know, that's what Iowa does. They're, they run the ball and then they set up the play-action. So, I mean, that's kind of their, their MO is, is they're, they're familiar with passing the ball in that time and that sequence. But, you know, when, when, it's windy, when it's windy like that and you're going to throw the ball down the field deep, you just can't be short. You can't be late and all those types of things because the ball is, is, is so impacted by the weather. This was an Indiana defense that's ranked ninth against the run in the Big Ten. And yet until the fourth quarter, Iowa just couldn't run the ball effectively. Is that more on the O-line or... O'Keefe trying to force plays that aren't there. What do you think? You know, I, I, combination. I mean, it's, you know, I think Indiana is difficult. I mean, a lot of those statistics, it just depends on who they've played. You know, they may have played teams that threw the ball all the time and, or, or actually ran the ball all the time and, and didn't throw it much. But, you know, we're getting to the point now everybody's played everybody. So, I mean, it's, it, it is disappointing we didn't run the ball more effectively. Part of that's Robinson was out. I mean, the guy's a pretty good back for us. So, but, and then part of it was probably they said, that, you know what, we're going to challenge them to throw the ball because it is so windy, you know, and they're going to make us throw the ball. So, I mean, it probably was a combination of things. There seem to be a few instances on Saturday where plays are still coming in late. Why do you think that's still happening? Just trying to get the right set, you know, trying to get the right formation, the right play call. And sometimes instead of just defaulting to a core play, they, they, they're trying to search for the right play and, and get the right motion intact. And as things get tighter, the pressure gets a little bit more, things tighten down, and so do the coach a little bit. So it's not necessarily a player issue as much as it is a coach's issue getting the plays in from the sideline. But, you know, I didn't see too much of a problem with it, but it is, you know, you never want to be pushed up the 25-second clock. As a coach, what would your philosophy be in terms of whether the offensive coordinator should be on the sideline or in the press box? And would you let the assistant coach make the decision, or would you decide? I think that I think you got to let the assistant coaches make the decisions. Um, for the most part, you you may decide, hey, I want to throw it here, I want to screen here, and then they should try to find the best screen in that situation or the best pass in that situation. But for the most part, the coaches are the ones spending all the time on the films, trying to find weaknesses and trying to find uh, things that you take advantage of. So, you know, I think you got to let your coaches coach. You know, as far as being up in the box or down on the field, I think one of the things that they like to be able to do is is have the coordinator, at least Iowa situations, have the coordinator be in close contact with the quarterback where he can look in his eyes and get a good gauge on how he is doing mentally. And I think, you know, one of the advantages of Keith being on the sideline was he probably was able to see Stanzi up close and really get a, you know, instead of talking to him over the headsets or the phone, you know, really get it, how are you? You know, instead of saying, I'm fine, he, you could really look in his eyes and probably know he was fine and he was going to, you know, had no issues whatsoever. So that's probably an advantage. As long as you got somebody up in the box that's seeing things, seeing the coverages, seeing the, the leverage that they're playing with, things like that, and, and he's communicating that down to the, the coordinators, I think they're fine. Uh, are there times where no matter what coaches do, teams just aren't ready to play? Yeah, it happens. You know, I've always said, you get, what, you got 12 or 13 games, you, you know, you can't be motivated to play three hours, you know, 12 or 13 times a year. I mean, that's, it seems unbelievable, but a lot of times it's because of Indiana. You know, it's because of the other team. They're, they're playing, they're beating you the punch a little bit. You know, I always used to think Iowa State had our number, and it was because we weren't playing aggressively enough or physical enough, and it wasn't that. It was just Iowa State 
you know, was beating us to the punch. They were on their game and they made us look sluggish. They made us look slow. Uh, and they took the game away from us, so it takes the emotion out. So a lot of times you just have to give credit for the other team because this is a pretty workmanlike team, and I think they are focused. You know, I mean, a lot of the things that happened were quirky little things, but, you know, the good thing is they were able to overcome it, you know. And, and, and me sitting there watching it with my son who was getting frustrated thinking it was over, I was like, it's not over. You know, we're going to hold him to a field goal or, you know, we still got time and better things happen. So, you know, Sash picks it off and runs it in for a touchdown. So you just got to keep the faith, stay positive, and keep moving forward. Coping with the spread offense is often a problem, but what kind of unique challenges did Indiana pose when they also ran the pistol and wildcat formations? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's just one extra thing you try to, to look at. And, uh, you know, as you go through your practice schedules, who's got the quarterback, who's got the pitch guy? I mean, the options are tough to defend, and that's basically what the spread kind of is, the old midline uh, type offense. So you got to count for all those guys. And then if you got a quarterback in the mix or if you got a running back in the mix, it changes things up a little bit. You know, ultimately it comes down to athletes and can they make the plays when they need to make the plays. And, you know, Indiana was good at that, but Northwestern's really, really good at it. How much of an impact do you think there was on this defense in particular, both in terms of style and psychologically with Norm Parker being in the press box as opposed to on the field? Obviously that first drive was, uh, man, it was impressive by Indiana. It wasn't impressive for our defense. It was amazing to see how easily they went down and scored against us and I'm not sure how much of that was to do with coach Parker being gone for a couple days last week or what the deal was but you know but they locked it in and you know they did what they had to do and when they have to lock it down they lock it down you know a couple plays went against them but you know they had call again for 15 yard penalty it's just a tough call and that went against uh, Indiana which hurt them Uh, you know the touchdown in the end zone they got called back I mean those types of things are are close but that's you know, Indiana's trying to make plays, and they're close to making plays, but uh, you know, that's what Big Ten football is all about. But defensively, I thought for the most part we were still pretty sound. Well, we saw a continuation of Daniel Murray's kicking issues again. Any more thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I'm not a kicking coach, so, I mean, other than it was just brutally windy. You know, and the problem is if it's not, you know, I've played in Buffalo before, and, and I've seen balls where, you know, he'll aim outside the right post, and because the wind's blowing, it'll move it you know, 15 feet outside the left post and he's hitting it straight, you know, so a lot of it's the wind, but it's just about how pure you're hitting the ball and the rotation you're getting on it when you hit it. Because like golf, if you slice something and it's a slice wind, I mean, that thing is just going to take off even worse. Uh, So you really got to try to hit it pure as you're getting in there, you know. How do you think a team, especially this team, reacts, reacts to having someone like Terry Bradshaw on Fox NFL Sunday call them pathetic does that motivate you how would you react would you just ignore it my take is we're nine and all you know i mean that's that's what my take would be and we're taking care of everything we need to take and call us what you want but we're undefeated you know and my only concern and it's getting way ahead of the cart and i know coach ference would be disappointed to hear me say it but the style point issue and that's what i hate about the bcs is that you know it comes down to style points you know what polls are you ranked high in and and, uh, you know, Texas and Florida got them this week, and we didn't. And, you know, it's going to come down to a BCS game. We could honestly be 12-0 and 0 and not be in the championship game. And that's, you know, I think in my opinion, that's if we beat some of these teams by 30 points, you know, we could be in the mix as two or, you know, one in the polls. And that's, you know, that's where Bradshaw's saying, you know, oh, it's why they're just, you know, they're winning ugly. Well, they're winning. And they're winning the Big Ten. So what can you say? Turning to Northwestern, Joe Paterno said in his post-game interview after the Northwestern game, that the best adjustment his defense made was the Wildcats quarterback leaving the game with an injury. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's what the spread offense is designed. It's a trigger guy. You, watch, you know, I don't know if you watch any of the Oregon-USC game. 
if you're gonna run a spread offense and you got a trigger guy that can run it, you got problems. I mean, because it's it's tough to defend, and and obviously Northwestern has been very very good about the last six to seven years with what they're doing. So obviously they did the same things against Indiana that we did. I mean, they were down 28-3 and came back and won. So you know they have the ability to score points on offense, and and you know we're gonna have to be ready to to accept that challenge and and uh, to cover up the guys and, and try to make them one-dimensional, which is, I know, what Coach Parker likes to do. He wants to make them one-dimensional. Do you realistically expect this offense to finally step up and have a complete game where they're firing on all cylinders? You know, I think it's going to be, I think they're going to struggle uh, periodically uh, with losing Robinson. I mean, I think he has turned out to be a phenomenal, phenomenal back for them. And, and with his injury being out, I mean, Wiegert's doing a good job, but... You know, they just need a little bit more punch in there that Robinson gave them there. And Robinson also gave them the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, which helped them. So I, mean, I, I think, you know, it's, it's still a work in progress, but I'd like to see the tight ends get more involved and again and, and become a large factor, especially in a windy game like that when, the, you know, the five, six, eight, ten-yard routes, you know, are easier throws and catches than the, than the deep ones. So, you know, I, I think the offense is going to continue to settle in and, and they'll find ways to, to make up for the guys that are out. But, um, you know, you can't lose Dace Richardson and, and Robinson and expect to be the same football team. What specific steps as a coach would you try to help make that happen? They got it. I mean, they, they have it. And they're working on it and they've done it. And it's their, you know, they go about their, their work week. You know, and I think, I think for the most part, O'Keefe gets a bad rap. I think he puts some schemes in that are good, that are effective. And, and you look at the touchdown that we had against Michigan against the zone blitz with Milwaukee. I mean, that's just a great call. I mean, you know, that, that's, they, they knew what they were going to do in that setting. They had Milwaukee ready for it. The quarterback was ready for it. And they executed it for a touchdown. I mean, those are the types of things that you have to take in defenses. When a defense is going to attack you, you have to take that and attack them back. And, and we, for the most part, we've been able to dial up those plays at the right time and take advantage of the defense's aggressiveness. So, you know, it's going to continue the game plan. You know, find ways to, to help Pacquiao Mira fit better in the offense. Find ways to take, you know, play to his strengths when he's in there. And then just find ways to get the ball to Moyaki, Reisner, and, and, and Weger, and, and DJK, and Marvin McNutt. And, you know, just keep, continue to keep finding ways to get him the ball. What do you expect to see in the Northwestern game? What are your keys to the game and a prediction? Keys are going to be just to, to stop the offense and, uh, you know, find ways to, to if we can, you know, um, you know, keep their offense unchecked for the most part, keep them under, you know, hopefully 20 points or less, and then offensively just find ways to put po points up on the board. I think we're doing that. I mean, the fact that DJK and Marvin McNutt, I mean, some of the plays that they've made, I haven't seen Iowa offense make plays of 50, 60, 80 yards in a long time. And I think McNutt and, and DJK give us that ability to, to, to make the big play, you know, to take a five-yard catch and turn it into a 60-yard touchdown. And so I think from an offensive standpoint, that's going to help us immensely. We've got to continue to do that, you know. I mean, I, and I, I get back to I, the thing I would really like to see is, is a is a forty-two to seven victory, you know, where it says, okay, we can start rolling you up now, and now instead of just winning by defense, we got a chance we can win offensively. And if we can do that, we can be pretty pretty scary. Any other thoughts? That's it. I mean, it's just uh, obviously great setting, fans. I mean, it's amazing to think that the fans were actually booing Ricky Stanzi at times, or booing the offense at times when they're sitting there at eight and zero. That's to me, that's shocking a little bit, but but it is what it is, and that's what you know. Unfortunately, with success comes expectations, and but for me, I think the the future's bright, and it's going to get brighter over the next three to four weeks. Did you ever have that feeling you were just born for greatness? 
This would be the all-time comeback to me. Just the flow of this game. Third and two. Laker touchdown. Mark, as good as it is for Kirk Ferentz in Iowa, that's how bad it is if you're Indiana and Bill Lynch. Defensively, they have just given up huge plays here in the second half, the fourth quarter of this game. And it's amazing how this game has switched in the fourth quarter. A monumental meltdown for Indiana and a huge implausible comeback by the Iowa Hawkeyes. In our Big Ten Notebook this week, the Hawkeyes entered last weekend's play as one of only seven FBS programs still undefeated, and all seven of those teams remained perfect on the season. Iowa is the only team in the nation with a 9-0 record, while six teams currently stand at 8-0. The only two teams to win Big Ten titles over the last four seasons face off against each other this Saturday when Penn State hosts Ohio State. The two teams have split their last four meetings, including a Nittany Lion victory in Columbus last November. One interesting note in this contest, Penn State's quarterback Daryl Clark is from Ohio, while the Buckeyes QB Terrell Pryor is from Pennsylvania. This should be one of the more interesting quarterback matchups of the season. Iowa still sits alone on top of the Big Ten Conference with Penn State and Ohio State just one game behind, and of those three teams, the Buckeyes have probably the toughest remaining schedule. After traveling to Penn State this weekend, they host Iowa next Saturday and then close out the season at Michigan. Both Iowa and Penn State have two of their last three games at home. If Iowa and Penn State both win this weekend, the Hawks would be in a position to be able to split their last two games and still go to the Rose Bowl on January 1st. Wisconsin, with its victory over Purdue last Saturday, became bowl eligible, joining Iowa, Penn State, and Ohio State. Michigan, Northwestern, and Minnesota each remain one game away. Joe Paterno passed Hayden Fry last week, sitting alone in fifth place among Big Ten coaches with 100 or more conference wins. The victory over Northwestern was Paterno's 144th win since joining the Big Ten. Fry now remains alone in sixth place with 143 wins. Among other active coaches in the conference, Ohio State's Jim Tressel has 90 wins, and Iowa's Kirk Ferentz now stands at 79 victories. The Big Ten currently boasts four teams in each of the three national polls and in the BCS standings, Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. Big Ten coaches on the hot seat after nine weeks. Following Michigan's decisive loss to Illinois and Champagne. Rich Rodriguez joins the Illini's Ron Zook in feeling the heat, although the Zookers may have been turned down just a bit after that game. The loss probably gives more momentum to the group of Wolverine boosters trying to raise money to buy out our Rod's contract. Plus, Michigan will have a new athletic director to begin next season. All of that results in this Saturday's home game against Purdue shaping up to be a critical contest for Rodriguez as the season begins to wind down. After this one, the Wolverines have to travel to Wisconsin then host Ohio State, so it just gets more difficult for them by the week. The Minnesota Golden Gophers also bounced back nicely, playing its first game of the season without star receiver Eric Decker, knocking off Michigan State in Minneapolis. Third down and two. And off to Wager. Wager looking to score and put some more on the board. Touchdown, Iowa! Another typical Hawkeye win, right? <laughs> out of central casting just the way that Kirk Ferentz scripted it. His third touchdown today, Brandon Wager. Iowa, Mark, I'm not sure this was typically how they keep pounding the rock. 
But they came back in the fourth quarter and got yeah. Mark Jones back on that boat, didn't they? Never really left, Bob. Never really left. <laughs> HawkeyesMike.com. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. www.HawkeyesMike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. That's 866-74-HAWKS. Just a reminder that you can be part of the next show by offering your own comments on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline will be open 24 hours a day. Just call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Also, visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, the latest Hawkeye and Big Ten videos, and team schedules. And don't forget, you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Where are we going? Today's Hawkeyes Mike program is made possible in part by Morgan Stanley Financial Advisors of Coralville. Call 319-338-5184 or 800-870-0002 for all your investment needs. The Iowa Hawkeyes continue this magical season Saturday playing host to a dangerous Northwestern team which has beaten Iowa three of the last four years, including both of the last two contests in Kinnick Stadium. This will be another nationally televised game on ESPN. It will be the 71st meeting between the two schools. Overall, Iowa leads the series 46-21-3, thanks in no small part to Iowa's 21 consecutive wins prior to the 1995 season. Iowa's last win over the Wildcats at Kinnick came in 2002. And overall, the Hawks are 23-8 against Northwestern in games played in Iowa City. The Hawks, of course, are coming off their phenomenal fourth quarter win over Indiana to remain unbeaten, while Northwestern is coming into Iowa City on the heels of its 34-13 loss to Penn State in Evanston. Northwestern took an early lead in that game and appeared to have a chance to beat the Nittany Lions until their star quarterback, Mike Kafka, went out with a hamstring injury. Kafka is expected to start against Iowa, at least Northwestern fans are hoping so. He is the Big Ten's leading passer and is also a very dangerous runner, leading the Wildcats in rushing with 248 yards and six touchdowns. He is single-handedly responsible for nearly 70% of Northwestern's offense. His backup, Dan Persa, may have a bright future, but he has little game experience thus far. The Wildcats have shown little capability to run the ball this year, but they have very good receivers, led by seniors Zeke Markshausen and Andrew Brewer, plus Superback Drake Dunsmore. Markshausen, a former walk-on, now leads the Big Ten and is ninth nationally with 67 receptions, averaging 7.44 catches per game. The Northwestern defense has been hit by a string of key injuries, especially in their backfield, which was their strength. As a result, the defense has been inconsistent and prone to giving up big plays. This Wildcats team has also been consistently solid in the fourth quarter of games. As Hawk fans well know, Iowa has been a second-half team all season, 
season and especially strong in the fourth quarter. So which of these two teams wins the fourth quarter battle this Saturday may very well come out to be the winner. Iowa will try to see if its offense can pick up where it left off in the fourth quarter against Indiana. Hopefully there won't be gusting wins and hopefully Ricky Stanzi can control the passing game more than he did last week. With the Hawks down to their fourth running back in Brandon Wager, the passing game will continue to be key. The Hawks appear to have the receivers and tight ends who can get big plays downfield if Stanzi can consistently get the ball to them. Wager did a nice job in the role of primary running back after Adam Robinson's injury. Let's see if he can continue to build on his play against Indiana. At this point, Wager leads the Hawks with six touchdowns and is second on the team in rushing with 439 yards. Other than the opening drive against Indiana, Iowa's defense was solid last week, if not spectacular. Northwestern's spread offense will be another major test for the Hawks, but this year they appear to have the defensive speed to better match up with these high-octane offenses. The Hawks need to play much better on special teams this week and come up with someone who can catch and return punts if Colin Sandeman continues to sit on the sidelines with his injury. Iowa appeared to be flat at the start of the game against the Hoosiers. That shouldn't be a problem this week. The Hawks will be looking to extend their unbeaten string and get a little revenge against a Northwestern team that has won two straight at Kinnick Stadium. This is another huge game for the Hawks. They need to focus entirely on this contest, get the win, and then they can prepare for their trip to Ohio State the following week. So what you gotta do, you gotta fall back, superior firepower, and superior intelligence. Well, Ricky Stanzi, to me, he may be a no-name guy, but he's a marquee player the way he bounced back today, man. I, I give a lot of credit to that young guy right there. Certainly flipped the switch and flipped the script in the fourth quarter. An incredible run to the finish line for the Iowa Hawkeyes. 42-24, to 24, the final score. What a Halloween. A memorable, indelible one for the Hawkeyes as they stay perfect. Our thanks again to ESPN for the game highlights this week. Once again, another nice job of capturing the surreal and weird excitement of 2009 Iowa football. And thanks to our regular contributor, Marv Cook. And we look forward to having Pat Hardy back with us again next week. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate by phoning and making your own voice heard. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes, all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. For Iowa. Iowa fans by Iowa fans. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeyes Mike, LLC.